Well, hello and welcome to another episode of But Why. And this episode, I get to talk about one of my favourite things, and that is CrossFit. When I've listened back to this episode, I, I am slightly concerned that this is niche, or I was a little bit concerned that this is niche, and it's just two people geeking out on the thing that they love. But actually, on reflection, there is a very important message in the middle of it, and that is the role of fitness. Now, fitness has, has been misconstrued a bit, I think, partly by the kind of fitness influencer industry, which is focused on exercising for how it makes you look for looking for thigh gaps and six packs. And if you listen to the previous episode with Alex Light about diet culture, that is something I am absolutely against. I I don't believe in working out from a a place of self-loathing where you are trying to burn calories in order to fit into anyone's supposed ideal. But what I do believe in is in the power of, of fitness and exercise to A, keep your body in a great place, but also keep your mind. It's it's one of the things that absolutely yeah, keeps me sane. And the guy I have on today is none other than the UK's fittest man, and that is Zach George, who yeah, is, is the best guy in the UK at CrossFit. And he's got a really interesting story. He was an over, overweight child, and after going to a motivational workshop with his family and partly from his dad seeing that he needed to change, he basically had a huge transition moment where he decided to look at his nutrition and and start exercising and yeah, it transformed his life and now it's it's his job, it's his career. He I was going to say he's absolutely ripped, but that <laughs> that goes against everything I've just said where we shouldn't be judging people on appearance. But he's absolutely fascinating and he too is passionate about the role that fitness can play in a bigger picture of your life in terms of the lessons it can teach you and that, yeah, being a generally great habit. So if you can get beyond the CrossFit geekery, I hope that you'll find this episode as fascinating as I did. Let's get cracking. I saw a, a good post and it will ladder back in a minute. We need to explain a little bit more about what CrossFit is for those who don't know. But there was a good post going around. I can't remember, you know, a, a nest for you where it is your job. For everyone else, it, it's just having a go, isn't it? And that is kind of at the at the, the, at the centre of what the best part of CrossFit is, is you, you've all got your own challenges. For me, my thing going into it was to hit it all RX and, you know, that meant that at some points I didn't do all that well, but I did a bunch of movements that I couldn't have done a year ago. So they're my kind of goals. And then I'm just as pleased for my friends who who did it scaled and had their own little mini victories. And yeah, I think the thing, people hear CrossFit and it's got this kind of cultish reputation, hasn't it? But yeah. the reason being is there is something really wonderful about the community that actually is what gets people hooked, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. It's what, what kept me going in this sport and what all of our members love about CrossFit is the community. So you've got people in our gym, like myself, who compete professionally. Then you've got people who want to compete professionally down the road. You've got people who just like doing um, like the the comps in the UK, um, like Battle for Midlands and Battle of Britain. And that's their main goal is to compete at those events. Then you've got people in the gym who just want to basically get fit and mm. 
enjoy the best quality of life they can they can lead. So I think everyone's got different levels, everyone's got different goals, but everyone is kind of one team. So you could have a workout with 20 people doing a workout. You've got some people doing ring muscle-ups, some people doing ring rows, some people doing banded pull-ups, but they're all working together, all cheering each other on to, to finish that workout. And it doesn't matter what level you are, what age, what gender, everyone is there for the same goal of mm. getting and enjoying CrossFit. And then it's so different to any other gym because you've got people who come to our gym and, and for most of us, it's our social life. So they'll, they'll do the workout for an hour, but they end up being there for two and a half hours because they're just chatting with everyone and just doing whatever and time just flies by. So yeah, it's not just a place where people come in, do a workout and leave. It's literally people socialize, people look forward to it. And one of the, the main things I love is when people come in after a bad day at work and you can see they're stressed and mm. they just come in, they're a little bit peed off with, with their day or something that's annoyed them during the day. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the session, they're absolutely buzzing and super happy again. So mm. yeah, that's what I love seeing from all the members and the impact it has on people's everyday life. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? And actually, I really relate to that because I know, yeah, the box where I train the yard, I know as I walk in there, I'm kind of handing over my brain a bit and know that, you know, my body knows now that, that it's going to feel, I'm going to feel great at the, at the end of it. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a different conversation, but I don't drink and I know a lot of the other members who I train with don't drink. And I, I don't think we find it weird that people make going to the pub a, like a priority and their social life. And it, and I often say that for me, exercise is the thing that helps me, you know, switch that valve of stress. And so, of course, I absolutely love it because I, I unwind like everyone else unwinds in the pub. Yeah, and it, there's so many people who... Um, who come into the gym and they've got kind of their work persona that they're probably serious. Um, they have like well-paid jobs and then they come into the gym and they're like the big kids and they're like, the amount of people that say to me is that like, you should see me at work. I'm totally different to how I am. I'm a grown up. Because yeah, because we're literally messing around playing darts or playing football before we start warming up or yeah. So it's great to see that people can just let all that go and uh, just kind of, yeah, just chill out and, and, just be a kid again yeah it's it's great to see that and also I think the thing that's been huge for me and actually I want to talk about it in terms of your relationship with your body and exercise but the way the constantly varied nature of CrossFit it means that people of different body shapes or body makeups are are likely to excel at at different things so I'm like uh, on the side of being strong and quite a good engine but I'm not made to do gymnastics and then you'll have the person who's great at gymnastics will be he'd be less strong but it I think it was the first time I could ever look at a collection of people and go oh look we're all different shapes and sizes and we all have things that we're brilliant at and I don't think I had ever really understood that before yeah yeah like for me I'm I was a I'm a heavy athlete so when I'm not on a strict diet I'm about 100 kilos um six foot and then when I'm competing, I normally drop down to about 96. So even at my lighter weight, it's still quite heavy for a, for a crossfitter. So for me, I knew gymnastics was always going to be something that I'd probably struggle with just to throw around that much weight against someone who's smaller and maybe weighs 85 kilograms. It's always going to be tough trying to do bodyweight movements against people like that. So as soon as I started crossfit, I, I knew that was going to be a weakness. So I spent a lot of time working on gymnastics, a lot of time working on the engine and then weightlifting sort of took a bit of a backseat because I knew I could always throw some weight around if I needed to or 
always just focused on weightlifting for a month and then my numbers would be back up there. So, yeah, I think it's great to see that everyone's got a strength in, in some area of CrossFit. Mm. And I think that was really highlighted in 2019 when we did the Open. There was um, one workout that cost me getting the UK spot and the game spot and it was the um, handstand press at one. So it was, uh, I think it was 200-foot single overhead dumbbell lunge, 50 box step-ups, 50 strict handstand press-ups, followed by 200-foot handstand walk. So oh. uh, we started that. And it, the workout at the start is quite is very basic, so everyone really got to the handstand press-ups pretty much the same time. And I remember people who come to the box like two or three times a week were smashing me on that workout because they were oh. literally just a better shape handstand press-ups to super light and they were just banging them out and ever since then I've worked a lot on handstand press-ups and it's great that I can just pick members out that don't even regard themselves as being good athletes but they're better better than me at that movement mm. and I kind of we do a lot of sessions together and they, they love it because they're getting pushed by me who's elite athlete and they feel good because they're good at a movement and be- better than me at it yeah um, but it's good for me because it always keeps you grounded and humble that doesn't matter what level you are you can always have someone who's better than you at something yeah and that's one of the the beauties of crossfit that you've always got to be so well-rounded you've always got to work on so many different elements to be a well-rounded crossfit and it just takes so much time and dedication to to put that into practice well i know in your book which we'll get onto properly that you've nodded to but i think they're they're really good life lessons like you can be doing things where you can be like oh yeah i'm i'm you know, I'm doing well, I'm ticking boxes on this, I'm I'm learning new stuff. And then you have a workout that comes out or that you it's programmed, and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm back to square one. And it and it's quite good to once in a while, like I don't know, just to not not be complacent, I suppose. Yeah, I think it builds patience and resilience. I think if you're if you wanna compete or if you're training CrossFit, because you if you go into CrossFit being extremely impatient and want to do everything straight away, you you're never gonna last or you're going to get injuries or you're going to have something crop, crop up along the way because there's just too many things to learn at once. So it enables you to kind of sit down, make a plan of what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, what you need to focus on, make a plan to attack them, get them to a certain level, and then you can move on to another skill. So that in itself builds a lot of patience and resilience because it takes a long time to to learn things like ring muscle-ups or farmer slips uh, you've got to develop your strength first and then you've got to work on your your skill and then you put that all together to actually perform the movement and for some people that can take four or five months but longer sometimes it takes a year to to learn that that skill and develop that strength so being able to dedicate that much time and being that consistent with what you need to do to to get good at those movements definitely builds like i said some resilience and patience that you can transfer into your everyday life everything yeah so to go back a step you were not and again this is definitely something I relate to with with my friends who are not everyone was was a sporty kid by any means and that's definitely your story isn't it yes I was a, a very weight uh, overweight kid and very lazy so the complete opposite to to how I am now considering my my job is pretty much fitness um so probably it was around the age of 13 14 I think um my my dad basically was trying to get me to lose weight so I think it all stemmed from my mum always wanted a really big family um 
and she had my sister and then there was a seven year gap because she had seven miscarriages then so she when I was born it was kind of like a miracle that she could have another another child so when it came to things like having sweets or chocolate or not wanting to exercise my mum was always very much Mm. like just just want to give him what he wants kind of thing just because she's so appreciative of of having another child and she didn't want to say no to me and so it definitely stems from that and um my dad understanding that as well and and not really saying anything or wanting to change anything because he can understand where where my mum's coming mm-hmm. from obviously very traumatic experience to have that many miscarriages um, so it came to a point where I think my dad had tried a few times to try and get me to lose weight and, and nothing was really working. And then I remember very distinctly, it was the uh, PlayStation 2 that was coming out and I really wanted it. And my dad was like, right, okay, let, he sat me down and uh, sat me down with the mum as well and said, right, if we put a plan in place uh, to try and drop a little bit of weight, that might be changing your nutrition or trying to exercise a little bit more. Uh, then we'll go and buy you a PlayStation 2 at the end of maybe a month or two if you've, if you've lost some weight. So I was like, okay, that sounds pretty, that sounds like a good deal. Um, I was eating McDonald's probably four or five times a week, KFC probably twice a week. I was, um, Friday nights always sticking to my head because that's when my dad used to go and play cards. So my mum would sneak in ridiculous amounts of chocolate and sweets and crisps and stuff like that. And then we'd just put a film on and eat the whole lot. And those memories that I'd, I'd never change because they yeah. stick to my mind so vivid and I loved it. Um, so I was like, okay, great. I think I could do this. All I need to do is stop having so many McDonald's, stop having a bag of Haribo every single day, and surely the weight should, should drop off. So without even knowing it, my dad was kind of drilling into me, goal setting and kind of, if you want something, put a plan in place like we did for a month, um, stick to it for the whole time and then you will get rewarded with the results. So we did that for a month, I think. And then we did the measurements and, and weigh-ins and I was ecstatic cause I was, I was so happy. I lost some weight. I was losing inch off, off my stomach. And obviously I generally felt healthier cause I wasn't eating so much junk. And as a child, I was always very self-conscious of, of my, my physique. I never wanted to have my top off around any strangers or anyone apart from my family, really. Mm. Always tried to skip swimming lessons at school because I knew it, it would stress me out because I'd have to take my top off to go swimming. So always used to make excuses that I'd, I was ill or had toothache mm. or something to try and miss all the swimming lessons. Um, and then, so yeah, so we lost some weight in that first month. And then I very vivid remember going to Toys R Us. The dream. Like PlayStation 2, which is like heaven, <laughs> best place on earth. Yeah. And uh, yeah, walk, walking around there, got it, picked the game out. And yeah, I felt amazing because I got the reward that my dad said and I felt good in myself because I lost some weight and I was feeling a little bit healthier. So we kind of sat down. I was like, right, we should try and keep this on because you obviously feel better and you enjoy the results. So let's try and keep it on. And then I think it was about a year later, we went to an Anthony Robinson seminar. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Anthony Robinson. He's like a motivational speaker and he talks about uh, nutrition, health, um, kind of what you want out of life, like goal setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a kind of a mixture of all sorts of things over a three-day uh, Friday to Monday course. 
And uh, we went there and none of the family apart from my dad were really looking forward to it just because it was three days in, in this uh, Birmingham yeah. DC. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was kind of probably be at home and just chill out and play on my, my PlayStation. But we went there and it ended up being one of the most amazing weekends and very um, impactful on all of our lives. And we came away all wanting to be a lot healthier, all wanting to be a lot more motivated. And it was the first time where I wanted to get fitter and healthy for myself. And I didn't need any other external sort of reward from anyone else to, to want to mm. do that. Um, because I wanted to I wanted to be happy in my, my body. I wanted to be a lot more confident. So that seminar was a very big point for all our family. And it was the first time where as a family, we all wanted to get healthy together. Mm. All the, the junk food was, was thrown out. Didn't go to McDonald's uh, as a family. We just cut all of it out. And yeah, that was a kind of the journey on to, to being a much healthier kid, really. That's amazing, isn't it? Like that like literally life changing for all of you and and it's amazing that your whole family kind of got on board with that because there's actually loads of good research that particularly if, if like mums are more active than it is likely to translate into their kids which is what I always say to people if you're feeling guilty about finding time to work out as a parent you need to park that because it's amazing for your kids to see you moving yeah. but then from there on in, did you then get, so you you kind of lost weight first of all by sorting out what you were eating and then did you start training as well? Yeah, so I was probably about 15, 16 at this point and even when I was overweight, I was really, I was good at sport. So I was just naturally talented, uh, good hand-eye coordination, played a lot of rugby. So even though I was lazy as a kid, if you put me on a sports field, I'd, I'd absolutely love it and I'd run around and I'd be a good good rugby player but then take me off, then I wouldn't want to walk. Or if my parents went to a supermarket, I'd always want them to park as close as possible. So I loved sport and that brought the best out of me playing a sport. But then I was just very inactive and lazy outside of that sort of um, area. So when I was starting to lose the weight, I started to really come into to my own as a, as a sportsman and really started to excel in rugby. Um, I played Leicestershire for... Uh, rugby squash and table tennis um which combination uh, yeah really random I kind of just <laughs> kind of went did a sport got quite good at it and then went to a certain level and was like, oh, I'm bored now and then I'll do something else and then do the same again get to a decent level then I'll get bored of that I just kept kind of hopping around different sports when I was younger and That's then amazing yeah and then eventually rugby was always the one that was always there throughout my childhood and then I'll just bounce around different other sports. But then around 15, 16, I was really starting to get into rugby and, and being a, a good rugby player. And it was the first time where I thought I really want to be a professional rugby player. And that's what I want to do when I grow up. Um, and I went to a private school, Ratcliffe College in Leicestershire. And I remember I was in year 11. So I must have been about 16 or, or just about to turn 16. Mm. And um, playing for the first team for a private school was is like a really big thing as, as, a, as a pupil of a school so that was like all I really wanted to do I wasn't very academic um, I never really listened too well in school or in lessons but rugby was my thing and I remember me and this other kid got picked to play for the first team when we were in year 11 which is a really big deal because you don't really ever see that 
young age getting picked to play for the first team. And yeah, that was that was probably the year where I went from being known as the overweight kid who was lazy and always had a bottle of Fanta and chocolate on his hand to then to then being one of the youngest players to to play first team in the school. So that was a real big change and ironically I actually hated every rugby game I played that year because I was 15 playing against 18-year-olds who just looked like grown men. men. Yeah. After after the year, in in hindsight, it it made us both a lot more confident. It made us a lot better rugby players. But during it, you kind of... (laughs) Horrendous. Yeah, you're pretty scared every single game just because you're (laughs) fully grown bearded men and you're just like still 15. But um, but yeah, so then the next year, obviously I was going into year 12. So now I'm the middle-aged... Um, age group of the first team so starting to feel even more confident that's when I started to go gym a lot more regularly um, I was doing a lot more weights uh, and again I was known for being now the sportiest kid in the school and the one who was very very aware of what he was eating very kind of um, health conscious and loved going to the gym so it kind of very dr- dramatically changed over maybe three years yeah of naturally progressing through a sport and then focusing more on health and fitness and then focusing more on, on gym. And then going into the last year of, uh, of school, again, I was still hitting the gym three or four times a week, known for the one who was always going gym, would never miss it in a week. Um, always very, again, health conscious and being the captain of the first team. So that was like a, a really good year for me because I was the oldest in the rugby team. I was the one of the strongest, one of the fittest. And yeah, it was such a dramatic change from only kind of five yeah. years before that. It's and, quite mad to have had that kind of life epiphany so yeah. young, isn't it? Like yeah, you're yeah. a kid, but it's yeah. like was the, the moment that went on to change the rest of your life. Yeah, like and it all pretty much stems from my dad saying, I'll buy a PS2 if you if you lose some weight. Yeah. And bribery and then uh, an Anthony Robinson seminar weekend which none of us wanted to go on so some real lessons there it's just quite it's just quite funny when when you're a kid and uh me and my sister probably would have been moaning saying why are we going in this seminar like giving my dad absolute hell for days before but yet that weekend was one of the biggest life-changing experience as as a kid so yeah it's funny was it- was it geared towards kids or it was like the no, audio, it was aimed at adults? Probably aimed at, probably aimed at adults, but you had all sorts of people there. But you'd definitely say there, there was more adults than, than kids. It wasn't aimed at kids at all. Um, it, it was I'm such just surprised a, you took all that on because it's quite like, do I did I understand about motivation and like taking yeah, control of I, your life? I probably didn't. I wasn't aware of what I was taking in, but it just made an impact, if that made sense. Yeah, and then you so, saw the results of it. Yeah, I, I, was, I came away not really knowing what I'd learned, but I knew something was, I took a lot from it. And without even knowing it, it would have been goal setting, motivating, just wanting more from your life and, and expecting more from yourself. And then a lot about health and and where being healthy can take you compared to being unhealthy. Um, and and being accountable for your own your, yeah your own life which I think often most people don't get to till a bit later but you yeah you worked out what you put in your body what you did with your body had literal life-changing results for you yeah massively and when I was a kid I had lots of different um, allergies and 
things I've suffered with due to having a poor diet. Really? Uh, I was asthmatic, um, allergic to dust. I've still got a lot of allergies now, but I've grown out of a lot of them. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of things that I think having that really bad diet didn't help uh, growing up as a kid with you. No. So, um, yeah, I think that it, that taught you that as well. It was the first time where I kind of resonated that actually eating healthier can actually help some of these allergies I've got. Mm. And it was the first time that sort of like resonated in my head and mm. suffering from asthma and being allergic to dust is a right pain, pain. everywhere. So it was the first time where I thought, right, I can actually kind of, I don't know if I can cure this, but I can actually make it better from eating better. And obviously that, that quality of life is, is the most important. Yeah, thing. So um, yeah, it took a lot away from that weekend. I'm also wondering, you know, you go back to being the self-conscious kid, not, not wanting to take their top off, which, you know, ev- everybody can, I mean, if, if we all think, very few people think of like school swimming lessons without shuddering. I mean, it's just a horrible experience, isn't it? But now you must have kind of the opposite thing where you're a, you're a big guy now, aren't you, from the, the training that you do. And you must like, if you walk into a room, you must get attention, but for positive reasons but it, it's quite a, a big shift to have gone through yeah massively from from being younger and never wanting to take my top off to now pretty much living with my top off yeah a very dramatic change I think anyone who knew me when I was younger would never believe what I do now or the shape I'm in now because they saw me as a kid and and all assumed that he's just going to carry on in that path and by the age by the time he's 23 24 he's going to be absolutely huge um mad do you ever did you ever fall down or do you still and this is no judgment training for appearance or do you train for performance and your appearance is a bonus of that yeah I purely now for the last seven years since do CrossFit it's all down to performance and being the fittest the strongest the best gymnastics and being the best athlete I can be and obviously everyone wants to look good but it's it's not a main focus because I know the training I, I'm doing is gonna make me look good and have a good physique. So it, it's never it's never something where I'm thinking about oh I need to get bigger shoulders or I need to get bigger abs or biceps. It's never something I think about. But um, everyone likes to look good and and doing CrossFit is gonna make you look good anyway. So yeah, um, it's just yeah, bonus, isn't it? yeah, it's it's just a byproduct of all the training we do to be the best athlete we can be. Yeah, it's funny. I, I would put a post up and I'm not comparing myself to you but someone's like oh what, what abs work do you do and it's like oh I don't think about doing abs work I think about doing core work yeah, yeah. it's like it's such a it's like a it's a complete reframe isn't it and then also a lot something that I talk about with my friends is like this constant fear of girls of getting stacked which mm. I'm not fearful of I'm up for it but it's like you have to put in so much work to get to get especially as a female to get big it's like don't don't let that pot put you off picking up a barbell because you're missing out yeah you see people like every new member who comes into not every new member but you get new members coming to the gym and they see uh the top female crossfitters in the world and like uh they've got an empty barbell as oh if i lift is this going to make me look like that and i was like well one they look absolutely amazing yeah two no offense, but you've got to put some serious work <laughs> to ever look even half that shape. So lifting this empty barbell is not going to do anything. Just don't, don't be, don't be scared. But that's just the fitness industry putting out so many lies out there for for years that 
it's just got this perception that females, as soon as they lift the weight, they're going to put muscle on. But yeah, and and also yeah, we have to ask, as you say, and as I've said, what's what matters if those women do look like stacked? That's amazing because yeah, they, because they it's a reflection cool. of their ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's just uh, yeah, a hangover, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's just got that worry that's been drilled in for so many years. It's just kind of change, trying to change people's way of thinking that looking strong is is a good look. You, you don't just have to be kind of skin and bone. And now a quick advert for my book, But Why? How to answer tricky questions from kids by having an honest conversation with yourself. And in the middle of it, you'll find me answering the question, but why do people exercise anyway? And that was a chance for me to share a lot of my experiences as being the the kid picked last for PE. And also the research I've done about how we really need to keep our kids exercising, that once they hit puberty, it's very common that they drop out of PE. And the results of that have huge impacts on... um, their self-confidence and their own body image, as well as as social skills. So it really does tie in brilliantly to this episode. If you'd like to pre-order it, it's available via the link in my show notes. And there's now an audiobook version as well, if you fancied that. I'll also put that link in the show notes too. Is it difficult for you because you're a a big guy, if you're on a night out, do you find that you're treated... I mean, not that anyone has been out for a long time, so we barely remember. But um, you know what I mean. Are you uh, do, do guys square up to you? Uh, mm, not really. I haven't been out for years anyway. Because <laughs> <before, laughs> you go, because you go to the gym. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I think the best way to answer that is people's perception of me from social media, which I get that a lot. I get um, a lot of people thinking I'm just going to be this kind of arrogant sort of bodybuilder guy if they don't know what CrossFit is and uh, even my girlfriend Sam she when we first met she was like oh I think uh, you're completely different to how I thought you would be I thought you'd be very serious and yeah just a really a big aggressive bodybuilder I was like no no not I'm not but yeah I get that perception a lot because on my social media obviously it's I just put out workouts there for people to follow or people to to give a go um so, yeah, a lot of people get that perception that when they meet me, it, it's very often that they say, oh, you're very different to how we thought you yeah. were from, from looking at social media. But that's a similar thing. Like, a big guy doesn't have to be, I mean, it shouldn't equal anything, should it? It's like, what, that they're, I don't know what people imagine it, but it's true. That is what, that, it, that I guess, aggressive. Is that what you think when people are... Yeah, I think that's what people are thinking. They're going to be aggressive, thinking they have a really deep voice, which I don't. <laughs> and this, people are always very shocked as soon as I speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just uh, yeah, people's uh, kind of misconceptions via social media can be very misleading. Yeah, and but it's nice to try and prove that otherwise. And I guess it goes back to what we were saying about perceptions around CrossFit. I think... Well, there is, there's loads of things, isn't there? There's one, I guess people do get really into it and people, so that is what people think is some kind of cult thing. But that, it, because people find a habit that they want to do hopefully for life. And uh, people are some, I think people can be untrusting of of those who have found healthy habits. And if you, for me, I'm going on a rant here, but for me, I spent years going to a gym doing what everybody did, which was like hours on a cross trainer or 
the bleakest of the bleak stuff. And it was misery. It's absolute misery. And then to find something that you love that no longer feels like a chore, it feels like the, the you know the top one of the top priorities in my life. Yeah. I think people can't people can't reconcile those two things. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's a few. I think it's when people, especially when they find CrossFit, it's such like a new world that they can't believe they've never known about, and they just want to tell everyone about it. <laughs> they want to watch all the and nobody Netflix, cares. Yeah, they want to watch all the Netflix documentaries and watch all the YouTube videos, and it's great from seeing someone who's never heard about CrossFit walk into a CrossFit gym, and within within a month they've watched every bit of content you could possibly watch on CrossFit and it's just great because people are so passionate about it and it keeps people constantly working towards them because there's so many skills that you, you you've got to develop and I think like it's definitely not a cult it's, it's a community but the cult sort of mentality from people outside of CrossFit I think it's the terminology we use and mm. style of, of, of dress that how we dress or how we train but every sport has that every if you go mm. to a cyclist meetup, they'll all be yeah. a specific style of clothing. They all have t- own terminology. Every sport mm. has that, so it's not a cult. That's just the sport that you're into. Yeah, in fact, I asked Instagram if they had and my audience on Instagram if they had any questions or like all the terminology. And I do remember that those first things of like standing at a whiteboard going, "Oh my word, yeah. what the hell are they talking yeah. about?" And I'm turning back to say, "Mom, yeah, it's just little things like when people come to train with me." Um, I've got a friend who is an ex-footballer, so we, we, I train with him regularly when, when we're allowed to. And um, I obviously just tape my thumbs. It's just something I've done for years, and it's just just the usual. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time uh, he he came to train with me, and um, it's a while back. And I was taping my thumbs, ripped some tape off, and just gave it to him. And I just carried on getting the barbell, and about 10 minutes later, he's still holding this tape. What am I doing? <laughs> And I was like, he's like, is that what am I doing with this? I was like, oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, you're supposed to put it around your thumbs. But it's just like basic things that you just take for Yeah, that people don't, are not used to. You're not used to CrossFit. It's funny because, yeah, people are saying to me, you know, it's scary or I don't understand the terminology and how do I get into it? And I like, of course, because I'm passionate about it. Like, go and find your local box. You won't be chucked straight into a workout I'm going to avoid doing the lingo you're going you're going to be you're doing some kind of foundation course so you will learn the basics before you start but anything every single workout can be scaled to everybody's ability so you don't they won't be doing what you're doing now but it's a misconception of when people get into CrossFit or they want to do CrossFit the the biggest thing that they watch obviously is the games so, like I said, they'll watch the documentaries, they'll watch games highlights, and they're like, wow, I'm never going to be able to do that. And they can see people doing handstand walks at ramps and bring muscle-ups, and they assume that everyone in a CrossFit box is going to be like that, whereas that's the very few percent mm. that people that do CrossFit, and the majority of every single box is going to be everyday um, CrossFit who does it three times a week just for enjoyment. So I think once they get into a box and they – they realise that and they realise not everyone's doing muscle-ups and, and is super advanced. The majority of people are, are working on banded pull-ups or, or banded ring muscle-ups or trying to learn how to handstand walk. Then that makes them feel a lot more comfortable mm. and then they progress into it and, and then they start to love it. But uh, it can be very daunting if you walk into a, a CrossFit box mid-class and you've got 
pretty much everyone with a top off just going mental. It can be pretty. Yeah, and there's a whole load of kits, but yeah, unusual. Like, yeah, yeah. but the, I, I mean, the only people that I've met have all been really lovely, and so. Like if you can have the confidence, it's interesting. I think you have to have the confidence to make that first step in, in, in the same way that you've made the confidence to your change because there is a lot about it that will, will take leaps of faith on your part, whether that's getting a box jump or whether it's whatever. There's loads of little acts of bravery. Yeah. But definitely if it's something that's on your radar and you're thinking that's a bit interesting – Go on, go and have a look at it. And I, 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 well, you'll know more from your members. Once people start, I, I reckon the dropout rate's pretty low, isn't it? Or, yeah, like hardly have any anyone who doesn't come back. They have. There's other. There's probably two types of people that don't come back. One is, it's just not for them. They just don't like putting themselves in that pain cave. They just, it's just too intense, which mm-hmm. is fair enough. And then, the secondly, the people who are very impatient, and this normally comes from guys who have a big big ego and they want to come in and they're like right I want to bring muscle up and it's like okay bring muscle up will take ages and we won't allow you to actually try it because it's unsafe if you don't know what you're doing so we'll put a plan in place and then we'll be trying in like two and a half months and they're like no can I just, can I just try it now and it's like well no because it takes mm. a long time to build the strength uh, the skill level to be able to do it and they're like oh but it looks easy but it's completely not. And if you get it wrong, you're going to be falling through those rings and dislocate your shoulder or, or something. And then they just don't have the patience for it. And yeah, well, that's, that says a lot about their personality. Like, there's, I don't want to put people off, but there are loads of things, as we said at the beginning, where, you know, it took me bloody ages to get double unders. Yeah. But, and you twist it up in a skipping rope and it doesn't feel very cool. But I think it's a good life lesson that the things that are tricky that you have to keep going and 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 then eventually you get it that's that's so rewarding and we don't we're so used to quick fixes with everything now aren't we you can get it you can buy it quickly you can have it delivered the next day you can you know fast forward everything and actually sometimes it pays just to graft yeah exactly and that's why earlier when I said it builds resilience which you then can transfer into everyday life is because you're not just going to walk in. There's pretty much, there's no think there's any skill where you can just come in and do it straight away. Um, obviously, you've got, you've got naturally gifted people who might have a good background in gymnastics or weightlifting that they pick things up very quickly. But for pretty much everything, gymnastics is going to take time. Your fitness, that's going to take time and it's painful. And you've got to be resilient during the workouts to finish each session. Weightlifting, you've got to be very patient with doing your mobility working on your technique, not just coming in and wanting to be able to lift the barbell as heavy as you can. So all that kind of, all them elements in CrossFit take so much time and patience. And yeah, you definitely, it's so rewarding when you spend so much time on working on a skill and then you finally nail it. That that feeling is amazing. And, and watching members get the first ring muscle up or get their first toes to bias, it's a great thing to be able to see. Yeah, it's so good. Well, I'm wondering as you're talking as well, there's a the games, which obviously I love, but there is a bit of a disconnect. So what you're doing is you're seeing those athletes pushing themselves in what to a normal person would be risky ways. But what people need to understand is you're not going to go into the, your local CrossFit box and then be training you to damage yourself, which is, I think, a bit of the reputation CrossFit has. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Most great coaches and gyms will be, you know, it would be such a gradual progress. Yeah, massively. It would be, 
learning to see if you can do any strict work first before you go to kipping so you've got the, the base level of strength um and then like i said with the barbell it's it's not just getting you in and teeth and you snatch straight away you've got to make sure you can squat properly then make sure you've got the mobility so if you're not very mobile we'll just keep you on a pvc pipe and get you doing lots of drills and get you mobile and get you efficient with that before you even give you a barbell so yeah it's, it's definitely a very old school way of thinking that crossfit is very dangerous and people don't really know what they're doing and yeah it, it's very if you walk into a normal gym you walk in there you, you're on your own and people have horrendous technique because they don't really know what they're doing um they've got no one helping them or coaching them and then they just repeat that day in day out whereas in a crossfit box you've always got a coach who's dedicating a lot of time making sure you're doing things correctly and safely so what yeah exactly that and and people have said it's expensive which it, it it's not a, it's not a cheap thing but but for what you should get it's like the equivalent of a version of personal training plus the community plus access to really expensive kit i think it's been a good lesson for everyone as gyms closed if you go to try and buy the kit that you have in your local box you're like all oh, right yeah a yeah. dumbbell is extremely expensive like matting is so expensive. yeah because <laughs> yeah. that's what you're paying for so what do you think like well two things what is like the next steps for you and and also what the next steps for crossfit is like because it when you're in it, it feels like a really big world, but it, it's still kind of finding its feet in terms of how it will be recognised. And there's been a big transition in that the, the the most famous CrossFitter has has just retired and come out of the top spot. How do you think, first of all, how do you think his exit is going to change it? And what do you think CrossFit looks like going forward? So, yeah, Fraser retiring definitely opens up a window to maybe 10, 15 different athletes that can all on any, any given day, any sort of workouts can, can win now. Whereas for the last five years, it's always been, no matter what comes up, Fraser's probably going to win. Yeah. Um, and it's not like there's been a consistent number two or a very consistent number three. You've got a mixture of the same sort of 10, 10 15 guys that, like I said, depending on what workouts come up, um, depending how they're performing, can, can take that number one spot. So I think from a spectator point of view, it makes it a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I know a lot of people for me I, I watched it and just admired what Fraser does because yeah. you're an athlete yourself so you can just understand how much time it takes to be that good is it's just crazy and he's just so so well-rounded he puts in so much work and he's just so gifted for that for the sport mm. uh, whereas I think a spectator who just wants to watch it for enjoyment they're like oh thank god he's gone because at least it makes it a bit more interesting mm-hmm so I think, yeah, from a spectator point of view, it's going to do a lot of good things, I think. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, good on him to, to knowing when to go out as well. You know, go out at the top of your game. And... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's a great decision. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, for me, again, my aim is just to, to get to the CrossFit Games. Obviously, it's been a, a seven-year goal last year to to get to the Games and finally achieved it. And obviously, the pandemic meant that I couldn't couldn't attend the Games. So... Again, for me, it's just kind of getting there again and actually being able to compete at the Games. For me, competing at the Games is a big thing for me, but I also want to do it with my family and friends there, which I'm not sure is going to be able to even happen this year. So, um, But yeah, the goal is still the same, gets the Games. It's a very different season to what it was last year, like I was saying earlier, with the Open. 
before last year I peaked for the Open and then I could just get ready for the games. Whereas now you don't want to peak in this early in the season because then you're going to just going to be burnt out by the time it comes to semi-finals where you actually need to qualify for the game. So mm-hmm. these early stages is trying to, it's just being the best shape you need to be at this stage. But then knowing that I really need to be peaking for June time when the semi-finals are in, um, get one of those top five spots and then then you can progress to the games. So that's my what. Um, what does peaking like? How do you what? How do you kind of work towards that? What is what are the time frames? What does that mean? Like being bang on your nutrition and how? Like what kind of training would you be putting in? So for me, it's very much. I'm an athlete that I train pretty intensely all year round. I never really do a strength cycle. So peaking for me is mainly looking after my nutrition a lot more intensely, um, getting down to that fighting weight. So I wouldn't want to be. 95 kilograms 94 kilograms now and then try and maintain that all the way to the games because it's just not sustainable so for me it's making sure I'm still at a very good weight that I can still qualify and still feel good but then knowing that maybe a month away from either the semi-finals I want to be bang on with my attrition and getting down to that fighting weight that I, I want to compete at um, things like my strength stuff I will just hover my strength at a manageable um, manageable weight during the season, uh, more mainly focusing on fitness gymnastics. And then when it comes to, again, peaking time, I want to be ramping up that strength work as well to making sure that it's at the top of the game as well. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, it's mainly nutrition-based and, and, and monitoring my strength. Again, as an athlete, I've done it for seven years now, so you've got to be very smart and, and know your own body. And for me, I've always had ankle issues and knee issues just stemming from being extremely fat-footed. So if I hammered so much strength all the time, I I know I'd have flare-ups in certain areas. So again, peaking is very much down to knowing your body, knowing what sort of athlete you are and managing that to the best ability. So when you get to that June time, you're in your peak condition, whereas... If you weren't aware of that, I could be hammering the strength now yeah, and then down the line, my knees could be absolutely shot and I have to take a month out. So, But what about the, the like how it fits with the rest of your life? Or you, are you, uh, you mentioned your girlfriend earlier. She's also into CrossFit, isn't she? Yeah, she, yeah, she that helps. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And uh, <laughs> she knows how much time it dedicates to be able to, to train the way I do. And I think when I have a session and when we're in peak competing time, I always make sure I'll have a session, have my food and then have a nap for 20 minutes. And she knows cause she does CrossFit how taxing the workouts can be. And she only really trains once a day. So if you had someone who didn't really know or wasn't into CrossFit, they'd be like, why are you, why are you having a nap now? Like what are you doing? Like go do something productive. But cause she knows how much energy it takes out of you and how crucial sleep is to, performance it definitely makes a big difference having someone who's in into the sport yeah that's helpful otherwise I mean otherwise yeah because you're tra- are you in main, normally you're training twice a day six yeah. days a week yeah or- 10 30 um every morning Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday and then five o'clock Monday to Friday as well and then Saturday we train at 11 o'clock and then again at one o'clock uh always have Sunday off and when life is normal and swim pools are open, I'd swim on Wednesday afternoons and then on the odd occasion Sundays, maybe like a technical session, but um, wow. not being able yeah. to swim 
for, for a while now. So soon, soon it's all coming back. But yeah, so it really is your your entire life. But it, but it's your job, and yeah. you you own a box, don't you? Do you? Yeah, I own CrossFit BFG with my business partner Harmi, and lucky enough, he looks after pretty much all the class side of things. Him and one of our coaches, Josh, teach all the classes and, and look after the box, which allows me to just focus on on training. Um, I remember when we first opened the box, I was trying to train twice a day, then teach classes and do a few PTs. And it makes such a difference to your performance when you're not getting the adequate recovery or the adequate sleep that you need. Um, so for the last kind of two years, I've been very fortunate. I can just purely focus on training, focus on recovery, get enough sleep, get enough food, go back for the second session, and then come back and just recover again. And that's it. CrossFit is your life. Day in, day out. Yeah. But you love it. Do you still love it? It's good. Yeah, I, I, I do love it. There's some days, like every every morning, you always go to the gym knowing you're going to be in pain. Not like physical pain, just mental, like just, just pain. You put yourself there. Yeah, through in a workout. So having that pretty much every day in the morning is always a bit, it never really goes away. You always get to the gym. You always got a little bit of nerves because mm. you put yourself in that position. And uh, yeah, some days it's lovely when you just come in and you know you've got like an easier sort of zone two training and you can just plod along through it. And that's pretty, pretty nice. But yeah, sometimes you do think, oh, when you retire, you don't have to do this. You'd have to put yourself through. You could just come into the gym, do it for a bit of fun. And then that's it. But Will you ever be able to do it? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's the goals, isn't it? When you see those like the real masters, masters, like yeah. 60, 70 year olds doing stuff. Next, it's so like, cool. Yeah, not going to be me but yeah that's what will you do do you think when you when do you think you're going to go full cycle and come back to the guy who eats mcdonald's four days a week yeah, that's my aim in life is just to go one big circle <laughs> and end up back where you are you joke <laughs> this might it might be it yeah. no, okay I'll, I'll, I'll always train and enjoy it i think yeah once i i kind of retire from wanting to be at the top of the sport or trying to get to the top of the sport I would still compete in local comps or still do team events and it would just be a lot more relaxed. Like I'd go to the gym and do a class for one and do a class with the members instead of having to stick to stick to your program. Yeah, your things. Yeah. yeah. Well, but beforehand you're going to get to the games and go uh, and do the real deal. Stuff to do. And channel all that kind of year 11 rugby energy, I'm sure, of like feeling absolutely terrified but excited. Yeah, exactly. It would so, be funny to be around, yeah, other people who have all of that ability it'd be absolutely mad yeah it'd be crazy and yeah it's just a shame that they've announced the semi-finals are going to be online as well because it, it would have been really good to, Go to meet some people position. yeah but um yeah i think we've still got a while till we get through all this stuff so blooming pandemic okay two more questions where can people find you and also the part of the reason you're on is because you've got a book out imminently so give a good shout out to that yeah, so uh, you can find any of my stuff on Instagram, just uh, Zach George. And then we've just started a YouTube channel, which is Zach George as well, which is just covering my, my season throughout the year. And then, yeah, we've, I wrote a book, Start Where Others Stop. And this all stemmed from actually not being able to compete at the game. So when I got the news of not competing, I kind of wanted to turn that into a positive thing instead of it being a negative thing. And... If I was competing for the games, that's all I would have focused on. And I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the stuff that we've done because of not going to the game. So mm, yeah. that's um, a really good way to put it. 
bring out the book, Start Where the Stop, is all about, doesn't matter what age you are, um, what gender, what stage you are in life, you can start a fitness journey no matter what. You have so many people that say they're too unfit or they're too old, uh, they've got too many ailments to start their fitness journey, whereas this mm-hmm. is kind of trying to throw all those thoughts out the window and help give them a plan and goal set and hopefully help them achieve that goal because um, I could have easily, as a young kid, just thought, oh, I'm already overweight, I'm already mm. very self-conscious, I'm not happy about how I look, I'm just going to carry on anyway. Whereas it's just taking that first step, which may be, like I said, just to cut some of the junk out or it may be just going for a walk every day, um, going for a jog every day, and that can lead on to so many different benefits just from starting that fitness journey. And it can relate to fitness, it can relate to work, it can relate to so many things in your life. Mm. And hopefully this book will help them put a plan in place, motivate them and help them achieve that goal, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think actually it's going to be really great timing for lots of people because the last year will have people have found themselves in habits they might not like, you know, yeah. m- maybe not moving very much, maybe not eating in the way that they would have done a year ago. And I think as we come out of this at last, you've got two options here. You continue and go deeper into the because that's the thing. Those unfortunately, those bad habits only pull you deeper in. And it's if you begin to swap them for positive habits, they tend to spiral up and up and up as well. Yeah, and I think a lot, especially because people have been trained at home for so long, I think you can very easy for people to fall in trap and say, oh, I'm too unfit to go back to the gym. Mm. Or they're too embarrassed because they may have lost all their gains because they've not trained as much. Whereas you need to kind of forget where you were before this pandemic. Just get straight back into the gym, take it super steady, don't try and match what you used to hit a year ago and then just get back into the rhythm of going to the gym. And I'm sure within two weeks, you'll uh, you'll forget what it was like to train at home and you'll be well on your way yeah. to, to getting back to where you were before. Yeah, and also not not the important thing, but also support your local gym because it's been a very, very rough ride to yeah. have a, a gym in the pandemic. Tough, very tough. But uh, Almost there. the community is stuck together for, for everyone around the boxes in the yeah. UK. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, it's so true. I um, I'm not going to go back on, off on this tangent again, but I started CrossFit off the back of my third child because we had a, cl- a class at my box called Strong as a Mother, and who knew that like off that my third baby would be the the moment when I started the most significant fitness journey, and it's just like yeah, you could easily think, oh, you know, I'm a mum now. I've had my body's gone through that three times. Just chill. Yeah, exactly. but no. It's it's been the best thing that happened. And then my last question is, I've written a book, which is answering tricky questions from kids. And one of the things running through it is I've asked a lot of people, what is the one thing they wish they had known as a child? Ooh, one thing I'd have known as a child. I think definitely for me, it would have been some sort of diet related question. And it, um, like I remember saying earlier, I only learned this from the Anthony Robinson seminar, but it would have been great to to know this before and to my parents to know it. it was the impact of of food can have on your health and allergies and things like that, because I think that would have saved me so much um, so much mm-hmm. trouble when I was growing up with, with asthma and being allergic to, to dust, so I couldn't go around certain friends' house because then it would set my allergies off. And knowing that food could have such an impact on your everyday health I think that would have been a massive um, game changer for me growing up as a kid. I think I would have enjoyed 
my younger years a lot more without having that such severe allergies, I think. There you go. And and I think 12-year-old you would be pretty uh, amazed at where you're at now, wouldn't he? Yeah, he definitely wouldn't believe me. He wouldn't. No, it's absolutely mad. Yeah. Yeah. All, all because of a PlayStation game. And I actually did an episode about with the podcast about gaming and like preconceptions that gaming is is bad. But yours, your relationship with playing games transformed your life, but not in the way people would probably expect. No, yeah. And I think it's, it's a massive multi-billion dollar industry now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm just learning. And it isn't all just beating people up. It, it can be uh, yeah. a, a really good yeah but still absolutely beyond me but still well thank you so much thank you for giving me the chance to talk about crossfit for an hour and call it work which isn't what i normally get to do yeah yeah it's been great and good luck going forward with the, the rest of the season i'll be absolutely rooting for you and that's that what a great example of how deceptive appearances can be if you go and look at Zach's um, Instagram page, you'll see what it was that we're referring to. He's a big chap, he's very muscular. And I don't know what I thought that meant, but he really couldn't have been more more charming, really. He, um, yeah, I was really blown away about by how gentle and considerate, considerate? considered he was. And then unfortunately, since recording this episode, Zach actually had to pull out of the games because of injury and I was when I saw that announcement my heart broke for him because I knew how prepped he was he hadn't managed to compete last year because of Covid and he was really ready to um yeah to do his best this year having said that the year previous not being able to compete in the games had led to him writing a book and Given everything I learned about how he goes about in the world, I'm imagining that the blocker of not being able to compete this year will actually translate into some other great personal developments. So I look forward to, to seeing those. So thank you so much for listening. As ever, I would always love to hear your feedback. You can get hold of me at butwhy at clemmytelford.com or on Instagram or even better, rate and review the podcast. So that's it. See you next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.